Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 217. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at vjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at networknerd underscore. Hey Nick, how's it going? Hey John, I'm doing great. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Hey, um, I just want to remind our listeners again that our second site, graph.nerd-journey.com, is now live. That's the knowledge graph and linked notes version of our main page of show notes that we developed to make it easier to explore our episodes, guests, and topics. For example, hey, we mentioned uh, Kate Donovan in our last episode. Where was that episode and have we mentioned her before? Use uh, graph.nerd-journey.com to figure that out. And now I have to go update it. Let's jump right into um, the episode. It is part two, the wrap-up part of our interview with uh, Kristen Carter of the I Have ADHD podcast. In part one, we talked about her ADHD diagnosis, the medical help and marital help she received, reacting to the diagnosis, that, that path of acceptance and understanding, learning to be a business owner with the ADHD, being an entrepreneur and a manager, and then the move to the CEO mindset. So now on to part two. Nick, uh, what did you uh, hear in part two that you want the listener to listen out for? Well, in part two, we're going to hear a little bit more about the origins of why Kristen started a podcast about ADHD. I think that's a really cool story. You know, if I just gave you no context and, and said, what if someone told you they had a podcast, but they hate podcasting? <laughs> That's something that that you want to listen for the context and story behind, because it's really interesting. And by the way, if you haven't listened to any episodes of the I Have ADHD podcast, it's excellent. I mean, I would highly recommend subscribing to that because you're going to see qualities in your family and friends in in some of the advice given there. I I think it be, could be helpful for anybody to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. That got added to my podcast feed for sure. One of the um, interesting things that I found was the idea of exercising leadership with an ADHD diagnosis, like the the ways to go about doing that. Definitely something to listen out for. Uh, maybe coping with the shame. I think sometimes people have that with the inability to do easy stuff, quote unquote, easy stuff. Maybe it's not so easy for you if you have ADHD. And then I think I might interject the idea of the operating manual for oneself. And also I think, um, we still haven't defined ADHD yet, which is attention deficit disorder and hyperactivity disorder. Yeah. And we're going to hear more about developing that expertise. How did Kristen get this deep level of ADHD expertise and why should you listen to what she says? Yeah. She really is an expert in that area. You'll learn some of the reasons why. And she'll talk about how she's created some courses 
and you'll be able to see why the courses are created and delivered in the way they are because that's that's what she likes that's her style that's who she is i think it's really cool but before we give anything else away how about we get to episode 217 part two of our discussion with Kristen carter found that transition to CEO really interesting, Kristen. And what I want to know is, as you did the hiring and firing and managed the people, how did you, if at all, communicate the best way to work with you as someone in a leadership role with ADHD? And I guess maybe the second part of that question is, should people in management roles be sharing that with their teams and are there advantages and disadvantages? Yeah. So I think that if someone is going to be in a leadership role with ADHD, it's going to take a hefty amount of self-awareness and a hefty amount of self-acceptance. If you're going to do it successfully, and if you're going to do it without burning yourself out, what we can often do as leaders with on, uh, with ADHD is try to hide the fact that we have ADHD and really try to make it so that nobody ever finds out how terrible we are with the details, how terrible we are with time management, how horrible we are at deadlines. And so what can often happen is a massive amount of kind of like shame and guilt creeping in with who we really are. And so one of the ways that I combat that and that I encourage my clients to combat that is to make peace with who you are, which is really the work of our lives. So it's not like, you know, oh, just make peace with who you are. It's like no big deal. Um, but really understanding what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Because if you can understand I'm in this leadership role for a reason, I created this company for a reason, or I'm in a management position for a reason. And the reason probably isn't the fact that like I'm amazing at managing my time. It's probably because I'm really creative. It's probably because I have amazing ideas. I solve problems quickly. I'm able to do 55 things at one time. So being able to say, here are my strengths and here here's why they're really paying me. And here are my weaknesses. And I bet those weaknesses could be supported by either somebody in a different position or some sort of assistant role or some sort of like accountability. And so what I really recommend is becoming aware of your weaknesses and being willing to share them, even if you don't want to share your ADHD diagnosis. And that's a whole, that's a whole thing because you really need to think through whether or not you want to share your ADHD diagnosis. It's not anyone's business, but yours. And so there is no obligation to tell anyone in the whole world. Um, and when you do decide to disclose that information, I always recommend understanding who you're talking to. Are they a safe person? Are they someone who has a track record of being understanding? Or are they someone who has a track record of being dismissive? 
and being a cynic and being someone who's like, oh, that's mental health is just ridiculous. Why would anybody ever get diagnosed with ADHD? Or um, the one that I hear a lot is like, well, everyone has ADHD now. So like everyone's medicated, everyone, you know, is struggling with this. And those kinds of things are very cliche and they really show you who you can and cannot share information with. Um, so I think there's a way to say, Hey, I, I'm really good at these things and I struggle with these other things without revealing you have an ADHD diagnosis. You can share it. Of course, I'm obviously very open about it, but it's my life's work. So it, when my clients ask me, like, should I share? You share. I'm like, well, it, you can't compare that. It's not the same. It is my job. Different. It's a little different. It's my job to share that I have ADHD, really deciding like, why you want to share. And, you know, in America, you are covered under the Americans with Disabilities Act if your ADHD is severe enough. So that might be a reason to disclose to your company. Everyone, it's a very personal decision. Everyone needs to like weigh that, um, weigh those options based on what's best for them. But knowing here's what I'm good at. And here's why my company is actually paying me. They're not paying me because I'm great at the, at the small tasks. They're paying me because I'm really good at this big picture stuff. They're paying me because I'm really good at problem solving or I'm great with team building or you fill in the blank for yourself and then find people who are willing to support those. I don't want to call them lesser roles because literally like my, my team who manages me, it's not a lesser role. Like my company would not exist if they were not managing me. It's just like a, a different function. And so my team, I have two people that I work with very closely and we have like a, a lot of contractors, but the two people who essentially manage Kristen Carter, they're taking care of my calendar. They're making sure emails are responded to. They're sitting with me while I do the things that I hate to do. So we have this one contractor vendor that only receives checks. He, he will not do the online bill pay thing. And do you think that I want to go find checks, fill out a check, write on an envelope, figure out where my stamps are and bring it to the mail? Like, come on. That's like 17 steps. That's too much for me. So Felicia will literally be like, it's time to send so-and-so a check. And I'll be, every time I'm like, I hate this. I hate him. I hate you. I hate this whole thing. And she's like, I know. Go get the check fill it out. Like she just like makes me do it. Now I'm running a multiple seven figure company. Why can't I just write a check? Cause I don't want to. Right. And so it's like, that's not what I actually get paid for. That's not what I'm actually growing my business for. It's not to write out a check. So those kinds of things, I need support with the easy things so I can get the hard things done. And every ADHD leader is going to resonate with that. They're able to do complex things that everyone looks at them and they're like, how are you able to do that? But they can't get their dishes done or they can't write a check or they can't remember to show up to that meeting on time. And so they're going to need support with the little details. I really like the things that you, you pointed out there, like the, but it, it seems like the foundational part of that is really understanding, you know, your strengths and understanding your weaknesses and then communicating that you need help with the weaknesses to the people that you're working with and maybe put some structures in place to, to handle those things. And then, as you said, after that, the, the life's work is, uh, is coming to grips with it or <laughs> embracing that part of yourself. 
which I think can be so difficult because we've been shamed since we were toddlers for the fact that we can't do the easy stuff. Why can't you just remember where your school bag is? Why can't you just remember to turn in that form? How come you just can't like transition from video games to going and doing your homework? Why are you throwing a temper tantrum right now? Why can't you just, you fill in the blank? And so because we carry so much shame, we often are not willing to advocate for ourselves and communicate, hey, here's what I need. Because it's so simple that we have a mental story that says, I should be able to do this. They're going to think I'm so stupid. Why in the world would my company give me an assistant to help me write a check when I it would literally take me 30 seconds to do? But then you just don't do it and you delay and you delay and then the check doesn't get sent and then you get in trouble for not sending the thing that you needed to send. And if you just had someone there supporting you, it could have been taken care of. And so what I tell my clients is you shouldn't be able to do it. Like when people say, though, I should be able to do this. I'm like, no, you shouldn't. You have ADHD. You shouldn't be able to do the easy stuff. You should be able to do the hard, complex, crazy stuff that everyone looks at you and they're like, I can't believe you can do that. But you shouldn't be able to do the basic, easy things. That's what's so hard for us with ADHD. And those are very easy problems to solve for most other humans. Yeah, the quote unquote easy, the even the easy tag is almost like this judgment that is has been imposed upon people from, like you said, the time that they're toddlers. Well, it, it should be easy. I don't know why you can't do this easy thing. Not understanding that for that person, that is actually quite a difficult task. Like there's, it just takes a whole lot of effort to do, you know, what somebody else perceives as easy. And so I would almost push back on, on saying, oh, that's an easy thing. But it's, I understand like the terminology comes from the external people saying, oh, that's an easy task. And then also the, the asking for accommodation is difficult. I feel like maybe for everybody, if I was trying to, while you were talking, thinking through people that I know with physical disabilities, and it's even difficult for them to say, hey, I actually can't walk that fast. So yeah. we need to slow down, you know, or yeah, I know that we've built in five minutes between these two meeting rooms, but it's going to take me 10 minutes to walk, you know, to a right. different building. And, right. and that isn't necessarily easy for anybody to ask for that accommodation, you know, so it, it just feels like we should be a little bit more thoughtful about, you know, the, the hidden things, you know, because if it's, if it's in your brain, it's, it's not externalized, right? If somebody's maybe sitting in a wheelchair, there's at least a reminder, but somebody with ADHD, there's no like, you know, ADHD, like flag, like, you know, attached to their back that reminds you that, that they need help with some detail oriented, you know, or deadline oriented thing. Yeah, you're so right. And I think that that is the most vulnerable part of the disorder is like being willing to ask for what you need. So it's like recognizing what you need, making peace with what you need, and then externalizing it, asking, hey, is it okay if you remind me to do this? So we've started creating actual meetings for the tasks that I just hate to do. And so my team just gathers and they just sit there and I just do the thing and they're there with me. 
and they'll do their own work, but I can see them working. It's called body doubling. I can see them. I'm like reminded that I'm supposed to be on task. I have the support of them there with me and I'm doing like really easy stuff. I do hard stuff by myself. I want, I want to walk around. I want to like make notes on my board. I want to, I want to be like kind of like a wild person, you know, the easy stuff I need to do in a group. Hey, I need to write these four emails. I don't want to do it. Like, please somebody sit with me while I do this. So I have a body double there. They're holding space for me. Of course, I'm only hiring like the most amazing, accepting, lovely people. (laughs) Like, and that is a filter for me. I'm only hiring people who are empathetic. I'm only hiring people who are willing to be like, yeah, ADHD is a thing. And I'm here to support like the smaller tasks so you can get the hard stuff done. Of course, not everyone has that luxury because you're not necessarily in the hiring position. You know, if you're working at a company and your team is full of people who just like are not understanding and who refuse to have any empathy. Oh, that's really, that's so difficult. Might be time to work for a different team in that case. It's time to find some new people. I, as you were saying about the body doubling, I feel like I have seen a part of that with colleagues. You know, I've been on the side of being there to support because I don't, you know, I don't have ADHD, but now it, it rings a lot of green lights. Oh, so that's why that makes so much more sense. And yeah. it, and it always helps. It always seems to bring sort of a form of lessening the stress and kind of like a, a de-escalation for the other person. That's a beautiful way to say it. Yeah. I can help you with that right now. Sure. I got 10 minutes for you. Let's knock it out. Totally. And you don't even need to be a participant. Hey, I'm, I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. Just make sure yeah. you stay seated <laughs> right there. And like, if I see you pick up your phone, I'm going to be like, Hey, get back to work. So it, if there's any parents of kiddos with ADHD listening, it's a great way to help your child as well. So your child who's struggling with homework, just pretend to work on something. Hey, I'm going to sit here with you while you do your work. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to get my stuff done while you get your stuff done. And when you get really frustrated, I'm just going to like breathe with you and we'll take five deep breaths together and then we'll get back to work. It's an amazing tool. The gift of your presence. Yeah. I mean, isn't that, I mean, we could get real sappy here. Like, isn't that just humanity? Kind of. Like giving each other the gift of being in community, giving each other the gift of just being present. It's just, I mean, I know we could just like sing Kumbaya and like hold hands and just have a great time. But I just think it's really a beautiful picture of humanity where it's like, hey, I'm with you. I know you've got to do the work. I can't do the work for you, but I'm with you in it. I'm here. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would sit up with me at night as a, when I had to work late on homework and she would just always do that to support me. And I never forgot that. And now my daughter oftentimes will want the same sort of thing. Maybe I really do need to go to bed, but she needs right. that support. So tough it up, man. Be there for yeah. somebody else, right? <laughs> Good for you. That's so great. I love that. Time and attention. That's, you know, just a super powerful gift that we can give. Can I ask, In your coaching business, have you ever come across the idea of kind of publishing or writing down like a a self-operating manual to to share with people that report to you to like 
hey, here's how I work. Here's what you need to know about, you know, the things I do really well and then the things that I need help with, you know, how I can support you and where I'm going to need your support. Something along those lines. I haven't come across it formally, but I love the idea of it. And I think that's essentially what we're talking about now is just first understanding for yourself. So you can't even write it down, right? Unless you know for yourself. So that might be a really beautiful place to start. Even if you don't want to publish it per se, it's like, yeah, how do I actually work best? What do I actually need? What supports would be amazing for me? But again, I would just always caution with know who you're giving it to. <laughs> know in advance because there's two ta- there's two kinds of people in the world. There are safe people and there are unsafe people. And a safe person is going to receive that and say, this is amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate knowing more about you. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to like refer to the manual and see how I can make sure that we're working in a compatible way. And an unsafe person is going to say, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like, what do you, you think you can just give me instructions for you? That's super weird. Like, thanks, but no thanks. And so knowing your audience is just always the key because unfortunately we can't control how other people are going to respond. <laughs> if we could, I would be all in. Like, let's just control all the humans because that would be great. But <laughs> I think I first heard of the idea from Jim Hogan who is uh, over at Google and ha- has a principal title and is on the, uh, on the spectrum. And he is, I think also has a like VP of accessibility and technology title. And I think it was in an external talk or maybe an internal talk where he just talked about, Hey, when you're dealing with me, like this is the way that I prefer to get meetings scheduled is, you know, chat first, you know, check and see if I'm actually open at that time. And if I am, then schedule it or versus no, anytime, you know, I keep my calendar up to date and you can just go ahead and put, you know, a meeting on my schedule or, Hey, I don't actually read my email except two hours a day. So don't send me emergency emails, send me emergency texts. I think what you were saying, it's not like, Hey, this is, you know, an insight into my brain or, or anything like that. It's just kind of a simple, this is the best way to communicate with me. And this is the best way, the things that I'm going to do, you know, that maybe we watch out for. I, I can certainly see that some of the latter of those things, like, hey, I have a tendency to do this and I have a tendency to do this. That is maybe a little bit more revealing and, you know, you're really exposing some vulnerability um, there. And maybe that there is some thought that goes into that. Like, I mean, maybe you're experiencing this right now, but one of the things that I know about myself is that I tend to go on and on and it's difficult for me to condense, uh, my stories. Right. So if I had people that I was managing, I probably would say something like I might drone on and on about something and you can feel free to say, Hey, I get it. (laughs) interrupt me and say, Hey, I get it. (laughs) I think that you brought something to mind that I think is a really good point is I, I think that it also depends, or it might be easier to, if you are in the position of leadership to hand it to people that you're kind of overseeing, I think that's an awesome idea. I was picturing it being handed to like colleagues 
on the same, which could also work. Right. But like peers, you know, but if you are someone that is in the leadership position and you are um, managing a team or several teams or an entire company and you're kind of like, hey, here's how to like interact and here's how to get the most out of our relationship and here's how to get the most of my attention. So let me finish my sentence first. I think it's great. And it also sets up a culture for expressing those needs and boundaries right away which I also think is amazing, you know, um, having your teams do it. Like, hey, each of you write this kind of like half pager on, on the, on the most important things to communicate to your colleagues so that you can work in the best way. I think that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, that does kind of change my perspective when I think of it from a leadership, a, a person in leadership kind of giving it out to his or her teams. I think part of what you know, our jobs are, you know, just to personalize it a little bit is, you know, as sales engineers, sometimes we bring in specialists to, to work on a problem for us, you know, that we, we have with our customer. And a lot of times that specialist will have requirements, go ahead and bring me in on your problem, but please let me know ahead of time what the name of the company is, who are the stakeholders and what are their titles and what are their LinkedIn addresses and let me know the problem. Let me know the outcome that you're looking for. Like, it's almost, you know, a, it's a version of that thing. Hey, when you need my help, please do this basic, you know, work ahead of time. And that will help me be more effective for you. And it will avoid, you know, wasted time. And I was just trying to maybe draw a parallel to that. Like any kind of problem that I'm going to work on for you, if you have, it doesn't necessarily need to be written, but like a, a briefing <laughs> that, that yeah. I can refer to maybe afterwards is going to help. It's a preferred engagement model yeah. that yes. fits your operating manuals and procedures that apply <laughs> to the self. I like it. While we're on this topic, we talked about community, Kristen. Are you seeing in your coaching business any specific trends within the technology industry related to ADHD that you might be able to share? I know a lot of our listeners are involved in tech in some way? I was just curious. If, if you don't have anything, that's okay too. I feel so unqualified to answer this question. Have not been nervous for the whole hour and a half that we've been chatting. And this question makes my heart pound because <laughs> I'm, I don't really see trends other than I have a lot of clients who are in tech and what I see from them. So I see trends differently. I see like, human behavioral trends. And what I see from my clients who are in tech are brilliant minds who are able to hyper-focus in an amazing way. So hyper-focus is the ability to just sit and be extremely persistent with one task uh, to the point where you're not eating, you're not sleeping, you're not using the restroom, you're not taking care of your basic needs, but just like so hyper-focused on the thing, um, solving the problem, writing the code, whatever the, the case may be. And where I see some interesting components or people getting put on like uh, performance improvement plans, that kind of thing are, there's a lot of perfectionism, wanting to make it perfect, wanting to do it perfectly, kind of spiraling when it's not perfect. Uh, there's a lot of overwhelm. So, you know, really thriving in the hyper-focus, but then also being really overwhelmed by it. So it's like a double-edged sword. And then, of course, like meeting any kind of deadline is just, can be very, very difficult. 
our brains are amazing. The ADHD brain is just an amazing thing. However, sometimes it just does not cooperate. And so when you have a deadline looming and your brain is just like not present, it can be really, really, really stressful. So those are the things that I see from my um, ADHD clients who are in tech. It would almost take like a um, like a research study, right, to to say like what of the people who are receiving treatment, like what industries are they working in? That's like really, you know, that would need like thousands of people. I know. Wouldn't that be awesome? And even then you're biasing towards people who have thought to get a diagnosis, right? Because I'm sure there's tons of people that are undiagnosed out there. It does make sense that people who need help get diagnosed, realize that it's not pure medication that is going to solve all their problems. You know, it, it gets past a certain point, but then you need, you know, maybe that next step of behavioral coaching. That's a huge filter. That's like, that's pretty amazing that, that there are people out there who have the self-awareness and have gotten to the point where they're, they're willing to seek that. I'm just kudos to everybody who's, who is out there, who gets past all those hurdles. So many hurdles. Yeah, I love that you brought that to light because I think that is so true because ADHD can be so debilitating and because so many people are walking around undiagnosed. I completely agree. Um, when anybody ever says like, oh, ADHD is so overdiagnosed, I am like, that is the most uninformed position you could ever have because actually there are so many people who are undiagnosed who just think that they are lazy who just think that they are a bad person who can't manage their time or that they must be really selfish because they can't ever show up somewhere on time, who just think that they're really bad with money, who just think that like they make bad decisions. And so, so many people are walking around with shame, not realizing that so many of the things that they hate about themselves are actually symptoms of ADHD. Um, but yes, and then once you're diagnosed, even just like access to healthcare, so being able to have healthcare, being able to get a diagnosis, you know, I have clients all over the world. And for some people, especially outside of the US, um, but also inside the US sometimes, there can be up to a year wait, you know, depending on um, or more. And, and so it's just wild to think about that. And then to be properly treated amazing. That's a huge next step because think of all of the executive function involved in trying to access medication, all of the appointments, all of the calling the pharmacy, calling the insurance, making sure all of the things are lined up. It is so hard. I have two kids who are on ADHD medication. So that's three of us in my family that I oversee all of that for. And it is so annoying. They make it really, really hard for people with ADHD to get the medication that they need. Um, and then you're right. The next step of like, okay, maybe I'll see a therapist. Maybe I'll hire a coach. Maybe I'll, I'll go to that next level of like some sort of cognitive behavioral therapy or trauma-informed therapy or mindset coaching to even improve even more. It's just, it's so admirable to see people taking advantage of all of those things. You mentioned coaching. Now, mm. if I recall from your own personal story, you actually had to hire a coach because you got to a low point. I'm really curious where that fits in your story and then a little bit more about how you develop the ADHD field expertise that you bring to your podcast and your business because we didn't talk about that yet. 
it's kind of two separate things. So I'll start with the coaching. So I, such an interesting question. I'm racking my brain for like, how did it all start? I found a life coach on a podcast. I was listening to a podcast about business because I had beyond tutoring and I was trying to figure out how can I grow it? Um, how can I scale? I need to learn more. And so I was listening to all kinds of podcasts and there just happened to be a life coach on a podcast. And she said something that changed my life. So I heard her say, B minus work can change the world, but work that never gets done doesn't help anybody. I went straight to her podcast and I started hearing other things like you can make more money than you're making. Nobody's, nobody really tells you that. I was like, Oh, I can. She said, your thoughts impact the way that you feel. That's just basic psychology 101, but I didn't know it. I was 37 year old woman, like trying to live her life, not knowing that the way that I think actually impacts the way that I feel. So that was news to me. And she just gave like the very basic coaching tools and I joined her program pretty soon after. And that was so helpful. It was so helpful. It was that extra push that I needed. I was medically treated for ADHD. I was at the same time simultaneously deepening my understanding of what it means to have ADHD. And then I was bringing in these life coaching tools and, and really like my whole life changed. Her program changed my whole life. It was amazing. And it was a group coaching program. So I modeled my program after her program. So like, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I feel like I should give her credit. Her name is Brooke Castillo. I no longer align with her values or ethically. So that's why I don't always say who it is because I'm no longer really values aligned with her. But at the time it was a perfect match and it was exactly what I needed. And so her program, Self-Coaching Scholars, was fantastic. And I modeled the focus program right after it. Thank you, Brooke Castillo. She's a pioneer in the life coaching field. I got certified as a life coach, started the coaching program, and I brought in all of my knowledge of ADHD and the coaching tools. And really it's, it's just explosive what the ADHD can, ADHD brain can do once there's more understanding of who you are and why you're acting the way you're acting. Right. So that's the ADHD understanding. And then how does the human brain work and how can you kind of hack it in order to get yourself to do the things that you don't want to do? So I'm going to come back to that, but I want to share like my ADHD expertise journey. So that started when I was supporting students. I had this tutoring business. I was working with um, students who struggled in school and so many of them had ADHD. And I knew I had ADHD, but other than being medically treated here and there for it, I didn't know much about it. And so I started researching how to help people with ADHD for my students, ironically, so adorable. So I started researching for them. And as I was researching, I was like, wait, what? Like this time blindness is an aspect of ADHD. The fact that I can't remember like anything that I need to remember in the moment is an aspect of ADHD. The fact that I'm emotionally explosive with my kids or with my husband is an aspect of ADHD. How did I not know this? And so I just ferociously uh, began devouring all kinds of ADHD material. 
Dr. Russell Barkley's work is, you know, he's really the ADHD giant that so many of us are just have learned from. Dr. Ned Hallowell, Dr. Ari Tuckman, um, Sari Solden, like all of these people who have done so much research and writing for the ADHD brain. What I now realize is one of my superpowers is reading it because I am a total nerd and I just love to soak it all up, but then synthesizing it for my podcast audience and my clients. And I didn't know that was a superpower of mine until I started doing it. It came very naturally. So I could read the whole book and then I could just be like, oh, nobody cares about this part over here, but here's what the ADHD or really, really cares about. And so I just started synthesizing everything and that part's really fun. Well, I want to interrupt because I feel like you and John share a superpower. He is so good at synthesizing information. Sometimes I'll make a comment and he'll say something and I'll be like, well, you just said it 15 times better, John. Yeah. He's, he's excellent at that. Well done, John. I think part of that is, you know, listening and, and echoing back, right? Because if you have like a, an active listening skill, and you are focused on what the person is saying, maybe even hyper-focused, mm -hmm. then you're paying attention to context and then what the person is going through in the moment and when they're emotionally involved in something, you know, maybe struggling with a problem as well as their future state, which you've maybe comes from the context. And then echoing back to that person what they've said with their context and taking into account their future state, it seems very profound to the person, right? But I don't know, maybe maybe it is actually a difficult thing to do. But it, and it's one of those things that I've just said, oh no, it's actually easy if you're outside of it, you know, but maybe I should give myself a little bit more credit than that. <laughs> I think you should. I definitely think you should because and again, this goes back to like the things that are complex actually come very easily for us. Things that are more simple can be really really difficult. And so knowing like these complex things not everyone can do that. So to take like a book and read the parts of the book and then know my audience well enough to be able to be like, they care about this, this, and this, but they don't care about the other stuff. I have found to be really, really helpful and with my clients too. And so now what I'm able to do is with all of the books and learning and conversations that I've even been able to have with these ADHD like giants is I can formulate a class. Like right now we're studying um, money. Like how in the world can we manage our money as someone with ADHD? So I can take the different threads from the books and synthesize it into like, okay, we're talking about money. So these are the parts that we need and here's what I can, what I can give. And that's, yeah, that's such a joy, such a joy. That's so funny because I just really feel like there's incredible parallels to, you know, you and your audience and us and our audience, because we've been doing the exact same thing you know, focused on, you know, a very different group of people, right? These yeah. people who are working in technology, but also trying to tell them, hey, you could be making more money. Yes. <laughs> you could, oh you could be doing like bigger things. So um, you know, don't, don't put blinders and limitations on yourself. Here's some books that we've read. And here's the digested parts of what, like what we took away from these books, you know, go ahead and read the whole book. But here's like, the yeah. kind of highlights that we think are important to kind of push you along. It's just so interesting to know that that's a, a niche that that needs to be filled kind of across the spectrum. Mm. And 
I, I'm fascinated to hear about your journey in in creating these classes because maybe that's something that that you know Nick and I need to do as well is to kind of put some real time and effort into creating a curriculum and a class that you know people can actually work through. Maybe we'll give it away. Um, maybe not. But you know, I would love to hear about that journey though. Absolutely. So. It's interesting because it relates back to self-awareness and knowing myself. I am not ever, ever going to record something in advance for my students to digest at a later time. I'm always going to record it in real time because I want the community on the call. I want to have 85 people on the call chit-chatting in the chat. So I can like go back and forth to the chat and enjoy the adrenaline rush of like everyone there. Um, and so I host all of my calls webinar style and I come prepared with some bullet points and topics, but it's very conversational and I'm always recording in real time. So people who create courses, I don't, I don't understand. My courses are created like I will teach. So for example, we're studying money the whole month in focused and I'm doing four strategy classes. And that's what I consider like the teaching classes and then four coaching calls on money and then four like body double budgeting sessions. All of that is going to be recorded and stored in like a money course section that anybody who comes in after can, can enjoy. But I, I know that I'm not going to develop a curriculum and record it in front of just like my camera. I'm not that girl. I'm going to do it like it's going to be a party. It's good. We're going to all be together. Come on in. Like it is so fun. And what's fun about that is everybody can ask questions in the moment and we can, I can read people's responses. And so it helps everyone to feel so much less alone when I say, Hey, when you go to open up your bank account, what thoughts come into your brain? And people are typing in the chat, like, I suck at money. I'm so irresponsible. I'm never going to get this right. And I'm just reading what people say. And then it just brings the whole group together because they're able to be like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Oh my gosh, there's other professional adults out there who are also experiencing the same massive amounts of shame or self-judgment or whatever the case may be. And so that community part is really, really fun. So what I usually do when I was, my goodness, when I first started the program, I was creating a new course each month. I did 11 courses my first year. I was real tired. I was so tired. And what I would do is I would write an entire workbook. And that's the part that I can do on my own. I'm a really good writer. And I'm really good at kind of teaching in my writing. So I write the way that I talk and I can lead people through like a self-coaching practice in my writing. So I would write the whole workbook, like a 50 page workbook. And then when I went to teach the classes, I would use the workbook as the guide, but the classes were so much more fun. So once the workbook was done, from my perspective, the work was done <laughs> because then it's just fun after that. There's something that you said sparked uh, something and you said, you know, you can't just sit in front of your camera and just talk and teach like you need that interactivity. Is that one of the things that powers your podcast, like interacting with people, interviewing other people, having that conversational part? I don't know that we've really addressed that pod the podcast yet. So maybe we could you could give us like a an overview of that first. Yeah. Um. So I created the podcast because I went looking for a podcast 
probably around 2015 to 2017, just like every couple months would go looking for an ADHD podcast. And this is going to sound really terrible. So please, listener, just listen with just a little bit of grace. I hated all of them. I hated all of them. I hated every single one. I'm sorry. I know Nick's eyes got real big. So I would go, I would listen, and I would be like, this is not what I want. This is not what I need. And I would get so frustrated. And I remember having conversations with my husband. When is somebody going to create a podcast that is concise and fun, but also like full of really useful info? When is someone going to create a podcast that has like coaching tools and ADHD resources combined? And I just kept waiting around for someone to do it. And I got real frustrated. And then that little voice came that was like, excuse me, why aren't you doing it? But you never think that you can do it. Like I was like, no, like I need an expert to do it. Like, yes, I'm learning about it. And yes, I'm reading all of this stuff for my students, but like the grownups need to come and do it. Like I'm not the person, like where are the grownups? They can, they can do it. Um, and it just didn't come. And then I started to think, oh, if I am looking for this, somebody else is probably looking for this. So maybe this would be a, a cool thing for me to fill. And so at the very beginning, actually like the very end of 2018, I think like sometime in December, I dropped my first episode. I dropped my first episode and I just kind of threw it out into the darkness of the night and hoped that nobody ever listened to it. And it is the most downloaded episode that I have, which is so embarrassing because it's like 12 minutes long and it's so bad. But what was wild is that I was right. Other people were looking for that. And it's now, you know, the top rated podcast and we've got over 4 million downloads and it's pretty fun. I feel very grateful that there were other people out there just like me who appreciated like a straightforward but fun vibe, who could handle a little spiciness from time to time, um, who were looking for like real ADHD resources combined with like some mindset tools. And I will tell you now, per your question, podcasting is the hardest thing that I do. To sit and record for my audience in the privacy of my own office with only me and GarageBand hanging out, is that is not fun for me. I like having a podcast, but I hate podcasting. I love interviews like this. This is the best. I love it when I schedule interviews with other people. But if it's a solo episode, there's a lot of drama coming from Kristen Carter. There's a lot of procrastinating. There's a lot of like, oh, I forgot to do this other thing. I should probably do that instead. It is very hard for me to pull a solo episode out, but it is, I think, uh, really important. And so I know that the work is important. And I know that my solo episodes are some of like the best episodes that I have. And so I just have to do it. So I just, it's one of those things where I'm like, I love having a podcast and I just remind myself, I love having it. I don't like doing it, but I do love having it. That's awesome. I hate to do it, Kristen, but we're out of time. So uh, where can people find you if they want to follow up on this episode? Great question. So you can find me on my website. I have ADHD.com and I'm on Instagram at I have ADHD podcast. I have an embarrassing LinkedIn. I know that I'm talking to people in tech and that LinkedIn is probably the preferred platform. I'm, you know, pursue at your own risk, but I would definitely say the website, obviously the podcast, I have ADHD podcast, and I do like to hang out on Instagram, which I think is probably 
not like the preferred place where you guys hang out. I don't know. Do you hang out on Instagram? People do. People people in tech definitely do. So don't worry. Good. So hang out with me on Instagram at I have ADHD podcast. And yeah, I would love to hear from you. Well, thank you so much, Kristen Carter. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. What an amazing conversation, Nick. I think, you know, just to rewind a little bit, that opening discussion, or at least towards the beginning, where Kristen was talking about leaders being open about a diagnosis with the team that they're leading and how vulnerable that can be in just saying what the diagnosis is and and maybe it's not for everybody. I think that that really resonated with me. I was open with my peers at my uh, position at Google Cloud about my ADHD diagnosis. I think it it's common enough. And and in fact, sometimes it's like not even necessarily clear that you are saying that you have an official diagnosis. You know, it's almost this like shorthand is like, ah, you know, that's just my ADHD and without having like an official diagnosis and necessarily having that diagnosis. So, but, you know, in the right context, you know, being open about it, I think that is... That can be tough, tough to do. And and just asking even for the stuff that you need, you know, hey, this is the way I work best. Can you accommodate me? And I think that is why and the reason that it triggered my question about um, the operating manual, which is something that I had heard of, again, at Google Cloud. And I actually wrote one. I wrote one for myself. Um, I haven't shared it with my, my team yet. Maybe you can stay tuned. Uh, for how that goes when I, when I do share it. Another thing that like kind of made me, uh, think about parallels between Christian and our situation is the, the parallel of building a prescriptive set of steps for improvement. You know, her building that expertise and then having, building a curriculum and, and classes. I feel like you and I are kind of, um, ramping towards that, having like that official, like, here's our nerd journey recommendations for stuff to do and the order to do it in, you know, kind of in a prescriptive manner. Not that we, I think, would charge money for that, but just having all that documented, probably at um, graph.nerd-journey.com. I feel like you just gave us homework. That's what I feel like, man. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> no, it's it's cool. It sounded, it sounded like a great idea. I actually had... An interesting thought while you, or I had a thought, I don't know if it's interesting, we'll see, had a thought while you were talking. The other side of those points, being open about the diagnosis, asking for what you need, it reminded me of what Kristen said about safe and unsafe people who could receive this diagnosis news or these asks, right? I think that could tell you a lot about your professional brand oh yeah sure am i a safe enough person for that someone might share that with me or am i you know some kind of jerk bag who is just really insensitive to that sort of thing 
Right. And and obviously there are in between states. I don't just want to act no, like just the two extremes. <laughs> right. You heard it here. Just the two. Like it's, you're either one or the other. You're one or the other. It's no fence line. I like what she said about that's not what I get paid for. It Ooh, goes back yeah. to what Don Jones said about knowing the problem you solve. Right. It, it sounds very similar. But do you know what the core things are that you get paid for? Those things where you want to be prolific in your skill set, in your role. The money makers, if you will. That's such a good point. Yeah, totally agree with that. I, I don't know that we could all answer that question. As I'm saying it, I'm wondering, can I answer that for myself? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. I need to think about it. <laughs> yeah, sales engineering. It's uh, tearing down technical barriers. What I also heard in that discussion with Kristen was a moment of ignition, that motivation to do something even though it might be hard. After she heard the life coach on the business podcast and then it was so helpful to her, she took the coaching course and decided she wanted to be a coach. Absolutely. The the idea of ignition from Dan Coyle's The Talent Code. That's right. That we've brought up several times. I'm doing work for myself now. I need to create another link to in uh, graph.nerd-journey.com. I can completely get on board with Kristen's desire to want to deliver classes live versus having them pre-recorded. There's something different about it. There's something really cool. There's no do-over. Right. The curse of the pre-recorded content is that you can always re-record it oh, up yeah. until the time it has to be handed over to somebody. That Absolutely. is like the perfectionist's nightmare. <laughs> Put me up there. Don't give me a second shot and let it be what it is. Yeah, I I totally understand what you mean by that. It It made me think that, you know, the stuff that we do and want to redo, it needs to be repeated enough ahead of time that it's so well rehearsed that you uh, you don't need a second shot, right? But, that we could do it live, times. right? <laughs> we'll do it live. Good life. <laughs> I don't know that we're there yet, but we're trying to get there. Yeah, we're getting there. Other than that, uh, anything else uh, spark your interest to bring up before we get out of here? I think the only thing I'm interested in is people subscribing, John. Subscribing, reviewing, ringing that bell, sharing it with a friend, and everybody else they know. No, seriously, everybody. We want to know if we're being helpful, and we're always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners, and tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at VJourneyman for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off. Adios.